Hey everyone, we're approaching the end of the year, and for many of you, that means that whoever prepares your taxes is going to be calling you up and saying, hey, you got to buy art supplies. Time to spend some money on some tax-deductible business expenses. And that's kind of fun, right? You get to go and spend some money and and maybe get some new equipment or some new art supplies. And if you're going to be doing that shopping at Blick, make sure that you use our affiliate link. It's www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick. And if you navigate to the Blick online store using that affiliate link, we'll earn a 10% commission, which helps us to pay for the hosting and the equipment that we use to produce this podcast. So once again, that's www.messystudiopodcast.com slash Blick. And it's also a great idea to just go ahead and bookmark that link. And that way you don't even have to think about it again. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about abstracting with lines and marks. Lines and marks in a work of art connect the viewer very directly with the hand of the artist. They can express individuality and structure and show evidence of the artist's process. Perhaps because these visual elements can reveal so much, many artists are self-conscious about using them, and when they do, the results can appear contrived, awkward, or random. How can we use lines and marks in purposeful ways that feel right to us? What might more intentional use of lines and marks bring to our work? With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Uh, this topic was uh, requested by a loyal listener, um, and that is Anne Jackson of Kitchener, Ontario in Canada. And I just wanted to put out a reminder that um, we are always open to our listeners suggesting topics. And it's really helpful. I mean, we, we've done now over um, 150 episodes. And even if it's something that we covered early on, you know, we'd be happy to revisit it and maybe add a fresh perspective. So, um, don't hold back. You know, if you have something that you want to ask about, uh, go ahead and um, leave us a message uh, from our website, which is www.messystudiopodcast.com, and let us know what you'd like to, us to talk about. So, Anne asked about um, using lines and marks, and um, we did cover some of this way back in episode 70 when we talked about drawing. But we really haven't focused on mark making by itself as a visual element, um, and specifically as part of 2D art, and even more specifically, I guess, how we use it in abstraction. Um, and I, you know, teaching and looking at other people's artwork, I find that a lot of artists don't really consider um, making lines and marks to be part of their main approach and their work. And I think there's various reasons for that that we'll talk about in a minute here. But I guess the pitch for this podcast is, you know, this this is worth considering. Um, there are lots of ways that lines and marks can come into your abstract work. And one of them is, you know, for their own sakes as visual elements. You can also use them um, in recognizable symbols like letters and numbers or lines that reference real things, but they're not rendered realistically, like um, contour drawings or maybe gestural marks that evoke plants or figures or something like that. Um, and I kind of encourage this because, to me, along with um, color choices, mark making and lines 
uh, are elements that have a really strong impact on the viewer because of their very personal nature. And, you know, color has that emotional impact uh, because we respond almost intuitively to color. And mark making has that personal connection. It's often so direct. And, you know, I think if you've been in um, various museums where you're allowed to get sort of close to work that has impressive brushwork, you know, you often find artists with their noses about as close to those paintings as as the guards will permit, right? (laughs) Because you're looking really closely at something like um, maybe a Van Gogh painting, and you can really see the brushwork. Um, And it's fascinating, just like right there with them. Yeah, and that's one of those impacts that uh, a lot of times does not translate into reproductions or photographs mm-hmm. of of artwork. Um, picking up on those those brush the brushwork and um, you know the the very detailed lines and marks and yeah, uh, picking up on the process that's something that a lot of times you need to see work in person in order to appreciate. Absolutely, and it's. It's really enthralling when you can get close and see this stuff. Uh, it it just the the centuries or whatever in between you and that person can just disappear, and that you know we're talking about brushstrokes there, but it I think it's the same kind of impulse uh, to look closely and to feel that connection that we feel with with uh, things that are more like drawn lines or small marks, and there's this kind of directness because usually it's just a simple. Um, tool making a mark like a pencil a crayon or a brush that there's not a lot of process involved there other than the artist wants to do it and they did it um and there's this kind of you know spontaneity to it in a way um and you know lines lines and marks can express so many things and they can they can pull um a work out of a place where you know, as you, as the artist, you're feeling it's a bit contrived or it's overworked. Um, some spontaneous mark making can just totally change what you're doing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the term mark making because it seems to be a, a broader term than lines. Um, it it can include um, all kinds of things like well, like brush strokes, like imprints. Um, scratching in, uh, taking areas away with solvent, you know, little areas, a lot of other techniques than just a drawing a line. It sort of also, to me, has a, a looser approach to it. Uh, it. It's one that seems like a lot of contemporary artists prefer to say mark making than drawing. Uh, it works for me, you know. I, I kind of consider it all one category. Um, and even if you say line, though, as I mentioned, it it just anything like you're making that mark with your hand can include so many different expressions, you know, calmness and structure and, you know, wild emotion and all these variations that you can bring to your marks and lines by their thickness, their boldness, their fragility, the media that you do it with. So it to me, it's just such a flexible and wonderful visual element that Uh, Sometimes it pains me a little bit to see people avoiding it so much. (laughs) Well, and I think that it's the most fundamental because uh, if you think, you know, back to early man, uh, mark making is is the earliest form of artwork. You know, that's what uh, petroglyphs are. That's what, um, you know, that's what it is when they're 
uh, drawing on the the wall of a cave or uh, sticking their hand in hand some prints. Pigment. Yep. Um, and and that's that's also the very first kind of artwork that children produce. Um, yeah. That's the very first kind of artwork that that all of our listeners who are artists produced was was basic mark making and line drawing. Right. And it I think a lot of us are intrigued by those things that children do when there's it's so completely direct. There's no censoring voice at a certain age. It comes in a little bit later. Oh, that doesn't really look like a tree, you know. But to the child, um it's such a it's a beautiful expression and uh, you know, I gave you guys crayons when you were, oh God, like less than two years old, I'd say. Yes, and they were delicious. <laughs> yes, you did that as well. But, <laughs> you know, I, I used to really enjoy just watching you scribble and it was just so free. Um, well, and I one of my earliest m- memories of, of art materials was actually taking the the little nubs that were left you know, after we'd worked through a bunch of crayons and melting them down into multicolored crayons. Oh, yeah. I remember doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Even more freedom there. You don't even know what color you're going to come up with right, when you yeah. use it. <laughs> <laughs> and watercolor, you know, you guys um, would make beautiful, actually really expressive little watercolor paintings. And I don't know. It was just, it was just joyful. And And one of the things as adult artists that – is so appealing about mark making is on some level you connect with that and you remember that freedom when you're doing this uh, especially when it is in the abstract realm um rather than trying to draw something specific it just there's a little um a little connection in the brain there with with early childhood um so i guess i wanted to go through a few kind of little tips like if you're an artist and you're interested in this uh ways to exploit this power of these marks. Um, And I would say, before I get too far in, it's not that every single line or mark uh, that you make in a painting that you need to keep it. I mean, um, there's definitely a place for editing and deciding if something works. And um, But on the other side of that, sometimes we're overly critical of the marks we make and do something spontaneous and then your inner critic says, oh, well, you know, that's kind of strong or that's kind of too expressive in some way and might pull back, uh, erase it or something. And so there's this kind of balance, as always we talk about, between doing something spontaneous and intuitive and then assessing it, looking at it. And, and, you know, sometimes it's not working. I mean, (laughs) frankly, um, sometimes you have to search to find the right kind of mark or the right place to put it. Um, I've been frustrated to no end lately by these couple of large paintings I'm working on that in my mind were going to be, um, contain a lot of mark making almost the whole surface, you know, was in my imagination or brain, and every single thing I put down, I end up thinking, oh, that doesn't work. That's not right. And I'm not giving up. Um, I'm getting new ideas about what might work. <laughs> but my original um, ideas were not working. And so, you know, there's definitely a place for uh, self-critique there. And I mentioned, um, I guess, when I was kind of getting going with this, this uh Energy that you put into spontaneous marks, even if you end up covering them up, 
can really kind of shake up your painting. I, I think of them as like shake it up marks. <laughs> when when you have a painting that just feels kind of, you know, too solidified, too contrived, whatever, too tight, um, and you take something, well, an oil painting, maybe something like a pigment stick or a brush full of paint, and you just just make something on there that is really out of place. I mean, it looks like, what is that even doing there? It doesn't fit at all. And you're probably going to end up covering it up. But for me, what it does is it opens a door to seeing things in a different way, it kind of brings it up a level into um, something that I hadn't really thought about. And so I find mark making really valuable in that way, just to just to shake things up. Um, and I also wanted to come back to this point about, we mentioned in the intro, uh, a lot of people feel kind of self-conscious about mark making. And I, I developed this theory quite a while ago that it's because we are taught to be self-conscious about our handwriting uh, as children, right? I mean, um, when we were learning to, to print or write, there was a, there was a teacher criticizing it, right? Oh, the, you didn't make that letter quite right or whatever. And then we get a little bit older and people say, your handwriting is too messy. Um, or you have such neat, perfect handwriting. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I personally never heard that one. I always had pretty messy handwriting. <laughs> right. Um, but there's this idea that these marks that we make uh, as expression, because what is more self-expressing than handwriting? I mean, it's people analyze it for your personality. Um, we're doing this self-expression all the time in school, and we're being critiqued on it. And we don't think of it as drawing or anything, but it is, it's mark making with your hand. And I, I just wonder, I may be way off base, but I just wonder if that's not kind of behind some of what we hesitate to do with direct mark making. Um, there's that that inner critic. Well, and it goes beyond beyond handwriting as well, because um, if you think about the importance that is that is put on lines, um, you know, it, it, when you're first starting to 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 learn um, mm -hmm. about artistic expression, um, you're told not to scribble. You're told not to color outside of the lines. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about coloring books, which is how a lot of people first start to right. Um, to express themselves creatively uh, and not obviously they don't have a whole lot of creativity involved in them, but that's how people first start to learn to create colors and shapes. And they're working with a line that's already there. A very definite doing, line. Yeah. Right. Very... Or they're doing connect the dots. And then it's, mm -hmm. there's a specific line that's supposed to go in a specific place in a specific way. Absolutely. Um, and, and so there's, there's a lot of emphasis that's put on these, these lines and these marks um, where there is a right way and a wrong way. And if you do it wrong, then somebody's going to scold you. And poor little child version of you is still being scolded for doing lines wrong. <laughs> I think there's a lot of that. And we're not really conscious of it. Um, but what you said about coloring books, yeah, they have such a definite outline that you're supposed to stay inside of. Right. So the line becomes this kind of barrier. Um I'm not saying that color books damage kids necessarily. I mean, I liked them when I was a kid, but if you're, you know, if you're kind of inclined to be uh, perfectionistic, they do um, enforce that for sure. 
and you're enforced by coloring very neatly and having neatness and everything, right? And neatness in your handwriting and all that stuff. So right. here we are now as adults. Um, and there are also adult coloring books too. There are, and people enjoy them. They're kind of meditative. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't put them down because that's an enjoyable activity for a lot of people. Real quick, I want to tell you all about the latest news from Cold Wax Academy, the membership program that Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, have developed for online learning about cold wax medium. The learning at Cold Wax Academy goes beyond just cold wax and applies to all painting mediums and all aspects of enhancing your art practice. Winter Quarter starts in January and featured topics include texture, layering, and how to look at and talk about your art. There will be live online sessions, guest speakers, live critiques of member artwork, and opportunities to interact personally with Rebecca and Jerry. Right now, you can join Cold Wax Academy at 2020 prices and lock in that cost for the duration of your membership. For more information about membership levels and learning opportunities, visit www.coldwaxacademy.com. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Okay. So, um, yeah. So as adults, though, if we are interested in this more expressive and, you know, intuitive type of line, how do you get there? You know, if you're, if you feel like your mark making isn't very uh, connected to who you are, uh, doodles are one thing that a lot of people do all the time uh, when they're talking on the phone or whatever it is. And you can get some clues from doodles. I wouldn't say you get everything. Some of my doodles are incredibly geometric, and I don't tend to paint that way. Um, but maybe there's something there that is pretty authentic and um, could give you some ideas. And I guess it's kind of tuning into, well, what are your natural impulses? I And actually, when I say that about my doodles, I have come to discover that I have some impulses toward geometry that earlier on, I wasn't really recognizing. So maybe they were a little clue to the future there. But um, drawing realistically, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, it is a good way to learn um, a vocabulary mark making. Drawing geometrically, if you do enjoy that, and, and there's things you can do with rulers and protractors and things like that that can be really enjoyable. And if that's your bent, you know, that's okay. Not all lines are gestural and uncontrolled. Um, but I think if you are interested in the more gestural kind of mark making, just practice it. Practice it as you paint. Um, even if you know you're going to cover it up, it's practice to just simply put that into some of your layers. And um, some of what you what you observe around you when, you know, I've talked a lot about, or we have in this podcast about abstracting from the visual world. We just recently did a podcast on that. Some of what you use in your work may come from that kind of observation. Um, and they could, the lines could be um, contour lines. They could be gestural lines. They could be things that you have drawn realistically, and now you're abstracting from that. Um, in my own work, there's a particular kind of line or mark that I use that kind of represents the, I guess, the tangle of uh, growth, weeds, plants that you see along roadsides. I'm always interested in those. Um, I don't know why, but the complexity of it. And so sometimes when I'm drawing a lot of lines together, that's actually in my head. I'm not literally drawing them, 
but there's something about that energy and that overlapping and that the layers of those kind of plant forms that intrigues me. And, you know, it comes through. Um, other kinds of lines that I use my own work might be more symbolic and they might reference things like um, pathways or trails that I've walked on or sometimes more like maps. Um, some artists use words, numbers, letters uh, in their in their work. Um, and this is all part of your personal voice. I mean, whether you want to use these at all and to what extent um, that you use them is is definitely part of your voice. Are they supporting actors? Are they main actors? Or are they not on the stage at all, these lines and marks? And if you haven't tried them as main actors, you know, it might be interesting um, to look at and to, to, to play around with that. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about, I've, I've been talking about both kind of controlled lines and more, you know, gestural type lines. And I do see them as, as pretty different in the way that they're used. Um, so I wanted to say a little bit more about these kind of more controlled marks that are done with, you know, more precision or more intention, um, maybe even to the extent of using rulers or the kind of things that you would use to draw geometric forms. But I would say any any line or mark that you make carefully and, you know, preconceived maybe um, to think about those because if you are basically disinclined to use gestural or expressive type lines, you may find um, these controlled lines really bring something to your work. And I have found this, you know, again, in my own work, oftentimes what I have done to the point where I'm going to start using those lines might be more gestural, might be looser, lots of layers of paint, lots of subtleties. And when I start drawing in these more controlled lines that might represent um, pathways or uh, geometric divisions even in the work, it just provides that counterpoint. It provides that structure that usually done toward the end is what I do um, as a finishing step. It brings things into focus. And this actually, um, I started doing this when a friend of mine in Ireland, Joanna Kidney, was critiquing my work once. We were both at Bow and Glen, and we were looking at each other's work. And she said, you know, I could really see um, some really straight lines in this work. And I thought, what? Straight lines? you got to be kidding. Uh, I really was taken aback by that. And yet, it sat in my mind, and it has come out now, and I think in a strong, adding real strength to some of my paintings. And it was it was not what I was thinking about at all. So I'm just kind of putting that out there to people that do work in a looser way, that maybe some straight lines, some geometry in a subtle way um, can bring uh, that aspect of contrast to your work, that kind of a duality. Well, and I think that um, straighter lines also uh, create a sense of boldness um, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe confidence or strength in the work. Yes. Um, that, uh, that looser lines... Um, you know, the, obviously there's there's contrast and there's a, a place for both of them. Um, but I, I do like work that has some some bolder shapes, some bolder lines. Um, and I think that it conveys a sense of, of uh, um, confidence or um, a sense of, a, of an artist being comfortable with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, a purpose. 
Well, and we, we often talk about intention or doing things with a purposeful attitude. Right, and very intentional. Yeah, It really does convey that. And even if you make one and you've said, wow, that does not work at all, and you take it out again, <laughs> you try another one, um, whatever goes into finding the right place for those lines or the right the way that they're going to fit in, um, you know, that's not that doesn't have to show. But when you finally decide this line goes here and it looks like this, it definitely adds what you're saying, that feeling of um, intention and purpose to a work that might need that. Um, it might be something that was um, a bit amorphous. And so it's just something to play around with and see, does that work with what you're doing? Um, and if you haven't considered it, it's it's interesting to try it. Um, and you know, even even if a work is primarily organized and geometric and um, comes across as very controlled, it's kind of the flip side is something done by hand a little bit looser in there can provide that contrast. And I think of the work of Agnes Martin. I've mentioned her a number of times on the podcast because she kind of intrigues me. But her work from a distance is very geometric, looks very controlled uh, based on... Um, horizontal lines mostly of color bands of color but when you get up close to the work you can see where she's drawn the lines with pencil and there's something they're straight lines they're you know pretty precise but you see her hand in a way that you don't really in the rest of the painting or from a distance but you get up close and you say Agnes drew that line and it it just makes a difference to me to to see that um that hand it doesn't look mechanical. It's, you know, a, a very geometric painting can come across as a bit cold. Um, there's that hand, there's that touch of the artist that's really nice. Um, and so the last thing I wanted to talk about was a little bit more about these more looser marks. That's kind of a segue in because um, Agnes's, Agnes Martin's hand in there is what makes a difference in those paintings to me. Um, so lots of artists explore this mark of the hand, this more gestural, expressive. Um, to some people, it comes really naturally. It's, you know, it's who they are. Uh, to other people, though, it's very difficult. And, you know, getting back again to our whatever restrictions we may feel in ourselves from earlier in life and some of the ways to overcome that, but I think that they make us a bit vulnerable, these lines, <laughs> no matter how we're doing them. Um, and they, they, uh, they feel like we're, you know, to us as artists, like we're exposing ourselves, our emotions, our intentions, our abilities actually too, because marks can be done in a rather clumsy way or rather stilted way. And they're, they kind of expose our weaknesses and our strengths, I think. Um, and they do express a wide variety of emotions and states of mind that, Maybe you're a little uncomfortable with that. Um, but as an aspect of personal voice, they're powerful. And they can really become a way that people recognize your work. I think of somebody like Cy Twombly, who, whose work is really based on mark making for the most part. And if you're familiar with his work and you walk into a museum or something, you say right away, that's Cy Twombly. Um, his marks are connected to his personality to what we perceive as his personality in such a direct way. And I think that's really the appeal of his work is that we, 
that we sense the person there in such a direct way. Um, another thing, I, I mentioned um, using lines and marks as, a, as handwriting um, as a way to practice. And there's something, I know we've talked about this before on the show, but something called asemic writing, A-S-E-M-I-C. And that is something artists practice as a, as a loosening device for mark making. And it means writing without meaning. And it, it's something you do. It has a rhythm of um, handwriting. It has maybe the repetitious kind of shapes or marks as handwriting, but you're making it up. It really, you're not really writing anything and nobody could read it. And it's, it's a thing. I mean, you can Google this and you will see many examples of it. There's some books out about it. And it's a practice and you could fill sketchbooks with it or whatever. It's a practice in loosening your hand, in finding what kind of marks um, are you? What kind of marks can be part of your personal voice? Maybe you are writing and just you can't read it. That's true. Sometimes you think about things as you're doing this, but nobody else could read it because it's it's gone beyond anything legible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, those of us who have messy handwriting will feel very comfortable with this. <laughs> uh, but some some of the acemic writing I've seen is really controlled as well. Some of it is almost looks like calligraphy. Um, it just depends on what you're interested in. Uh, but I would suggest if this appeals to you to get a notebook or a sketchbook that you devote to this and just spend some time, you know, whenever you feel like it or maybe every day and just do it. It's kind of a it's kind of a step beyond doodling. It's a little bit more intention behind it than the kind of thing you do when you're on the phone or uh, you're bored in some way. <laughs> this is not boring. It's exciting. I like to do it myself. Um, I don't know. It seems very esoteric. <laughs> well, maybe so. And and it's hard to describe um, in a podcast. That's why I say Google it. If this sounds like interesting to you, it tends to be something you practice without the intention of ever showing it to anyone or exhibiting it or anything. It's just, um, it's loosening up your hand, basically. And the other thing I think, the last tip I'm going to say, which is really good, um, especially for artists that work in more involved media, like uh, printmaking or like, um, uh, well, you know, I teach uh, painting with cold wax and oils, and this can get pretty involved. <laughs> People can get can get very involved in layering and layering and, and producing these very complex works. So if you feel like your main media is, is kind of uh, time-consuming and a bit too involved, I suggest always try some other media, even if it's off on the side, and particularly for mark-making, something that's fluid, something like ink. Um something like fluid acrylic or pencil, charcoal, crayon, something really direct like that and enjoying and experimenting with that feeling of of just putting that tool to, to the paper and and doing whatever. It's it's really fun. It's really liberating. And and you you don't know what that might bring to your more involved work. You don't need to know as you're doing it, but something may come through. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I would just say that like any other visual element, there's really a lot to explore with making lines and marks. Um, and yet it is one that 
many artists never really do become fluent with. And fluent is a good word. We apply it to handwriting and drawing. Um, and that fluency eludes many people. Um, and there's plenty of, of wonderful art, abstract art, including um, that that doesn't have, the, the artists don't use this. I mean, it's not for everybody. But it's worth asking yourself, if you're listening to this, uh, if it's one that you're you're avoiding, if that's you and you don't tend to use this, are you avoiding it because it seems too challenging? Um, or is there s something you can develop? You, you play around with it a little bit, but it could be stronger in your work. And hopefully we've given you some ideas today to, to go in a little bit more deeply and explore those lines and marks, if that's you. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.